and thank you very much for tuning in to the last Super Rugby Aotearoa 2020 preview as we enter the 10th and final round. Now, I'm obviously aware that we are unsure whether both games are going to be going ahead with the COVID outbreak, but I thought, well, because there is so much uncertainty, I might as well stick to what I've been doing, and that's recording a preview on a Wednesday night. And I was fortunate enough to have the old man on again, and we just put our heads together to discuss a few of the talking points for Saturday's clash between the Highlanders and Hurricanes before the Blues round out the season when they play host to the Crusaders on Sunday afternoon. So yeah, like always, enjoy. Alright, well, welcome back Dad. I appreciate you jumping on the podcast again to help me round out Super Rugby Aotearoa where we are now approaching week 10 or what may be week 10 depending on what happens with the government's decisions around the the COVID outbreak that happened in Auckland. Well, I don't know how long ago it it happened, but obviously it was announced on Tuesday night. But I thought, well, I might as well still get together with someone that I appreciate hearing a bit of rugby from. And so, yeah, here we are. How have you been? No, I've been good. I've been good. You've been enjoying the footy? Have you enjoyed the way it's progressed? Yeah, I have. It would have been good if maybe the... The Highlanders maybe have got maybe one or two other victories, and maybe even the Chiefs got on board. I mean, that's sort of the, I guess, they're they're the bit of the sad story of the last couple of months, I guess. Yeah, I mean, for sure with the Chiefs, I, I was mentioning that last week to the guest I had on. I think the only disappointment out of all the the footy that's happened, and you know, and the progression we've had on from the referees and the different teams playing styles was just the fact that the, the Chiefs couldn't quite figure it out. And it was weird because after starting so strongly pre-lockdown, something changed during their their lockdown break or, you know, I, I don't know whether there was a falling out amongst the coaching group. I haven't actually been able to get quite enough knowledge to get a, a concise sort of answer around it. I've heard inklings that there has been some sort of I guess, disruptions with the coaching and, and the players not liking the coaching, but there were no sort of fingers pointed for me then to, I guess, quote an anonymous source to, to really target one area. But, I mean, you, you pay attention to the Highlanders as well. They've been similar to the Chiefs. It's sort of been the same story for them every single week. Like, they've been in the fight for two-thirds of the game, but they just can't quite close out when it really matters. I mean, look at what happened last Sunday. I mean, I know, I know we'll get to it, but... Yeah, I mean, like, how good would it have been had the Highlanders won at Christchurch on Sunday, setting up a, or what, you know, setting up what could have been? Because obviously, again, we've got the whole COVID stuff up in the air. But Sunday's game between the Blues and the Crusaders would have been quite a hefty one. More on the topic though, the Crusaders. Obviously, they were crowned Super Rugby Aotearoa champions. They won their fourth title in as many years, and I mean, I've, we've gone over them enough. They've they've been the gold standard of rugby for so long and nothing really changes with them. They have this ability to not be in games or not be at their best, but when the moment requires them to step up, you know, whether that be in the 60th minute, 
just after half time, before half time. Sometimes it's even in the last sort of dying stages. They just will themselves to victories. And in some ways, you do get sick of it as an opposing fan, but in other ways, you sort of have to be, well, you have to admire it because of the, the fact that they've been able to do it for so long and with even the poor run of injuries that they've had, I mean, they were without their captain, Scott Barrett, to begin the season, then they lose one of their bolters in Cullen Grace. And then even over the last couple of weeks, they were missing the likes of Joe Moody. I mean, Ollie Jaeger and Joe Moody went off really early in the game this past weekend. They lose the likes of David Havili. Another guy, Ethan Blackhatter, who's meant to have quite a big reputation within that Crusaders group. So, yeah, it's almost like next man up with that team. And if Razor stays on like I think reports are saying he will it's hard to see anything changing with Super Rugby not only in New Zealand but full stop eh? yeah I think um, if there was a time for the Crusaders to be knocked over this year would have been the year because not only have they had a bad run of injuries but they actually actually lost a hell of a lot of uh, experience so they were in a in a lot of ways they were ripe for the picking, but they sort of they sort of hung on. And if you if you actually look not so much at their backline because their backline was pretty star studded, but if you look at their forward pack, their forward pack was somewhat vulnerable. But somehow they just sort of managed to sort of hold on at key times. But if you look at sort of a game like I'll give you an example the the Highlanders. If you look at the Highlanders on paper, they're probably the lowest ranked out of all the teams. But somehow they managed to get two wins um, from the Chiefs. I mean, basically gave up their games uh, for the Highlanders. I mean, how they managed to lose both those games, who, who knows? So it says a lot about the character of the Highlanders. But to be honest, like the Highlanders, I think they're a very courageous team at the moment. But they're also very, very inexperienced. And one of the things they do lack is actually punch, either from fullback or through the midfield. So a lot of their breaks were sort of sort of coming off the cuff, uh, either you know using balls um, play made by uh, Mitch Hunt or um, Josh Iwani. But if you notice, there wasn't really any punch in the midfield, and not even really from fullback until uh, Mitch Hunt went to to fullback. So it almost seemed like they relied a lot on Ioane and Hunt. That's that's sort of what I think. And as far as the Chiefs are concerned, um, maybe what happened with them is that maybe a lot of deficiencies they had were glossed over because some of their victories were against um, non-New Zealand sides at the beginning of the year. And I think the reality of playing New Zealand sides week in, week out maybe sort of showed up their flaws that weren't really obvious, um, you know, when they were playing the Aussie sides and the South African sides. I don't know what you make of that. Yeah, I think that their lack of experience in the Type 5, I'm talking about the Chiefs here, was really their undoing. I know towards the back end of the season they did a lot better job of keeping a more solidified front up front, but I just had to think about, say Brodie Retallick returned, for Super Rugby Aotearoa, I just think that this season may have gone quite a bit differently. Now, I know he's a, he's a world-class player, and to many, he's been the best all-black over the past couple of years, but it, it was hard to pick anything because, I mean, I was quite critical of their back line, but 
you know, as the saying goes, you know, the forwards will win you the game and the backs will determine by how much. And this set piece was pretty woeful, um, not only to begin the season, but even towards the back end. They ended up having to swap hookers. Um, they went from Siasoni Takiaho um, to Bradley Slater because Takiaho's work at set piece just wasn't up to par with super level. And I mean, even when I had you on, I know that we talked about they, they had quite not quite a few, they had a pair of inexperienced locks after the likes of Michael Allardyce and Mitch Brown went down with their own injuries. So you make a good point that I know that a number of the Chiefs victories did come against lesser opponents. And even in the win they had against the Crusaders at home, the Crusaders' best player wasn't playing, Richie Mwanga. So they, they actually had David Havili filling up first five there. And, I mean, we've seen how instrumental that guy has been for the Crusaders' success over the course of the season, not only this year, but the, the previous three as well. So, yeah, and, and, and as for the Chiefs, um, I'm not as for the Chiefs, sorry, as for the Highlanders, uh, you, you make a good point that they are, they are really a team that's been punching above their weight. And, I mean, I've, similar to you, I feel like they've lacked just that X factor, especially in that midfield, and, and as you paid a mention to from fullback. I, I do like the combination that both Mitch Hunt and Josh Iwani have playing that dual playmaker role and then having Aaron Smith at nine. I feel like they, they do give the ball a bit of air, but it's more so when they do give that ball a bit of air, it's whose hands is the ball falling into and what is that guy going to do with it now? The likes of Sia Tomkinson, Rob Thompson, Michael Collins, you know, they're guys that are obviously there or thereabouts, but I think if you're sort of thinking long-term with a championship in mind, they are going to need to unearth someone like a Malachi Fikitoa or a Waisaki Naholo like they have done in the past because they don't have that finishing ability. Or, you know, like when the likes of, you know, and it's no slight on the guys that they've got, but like the three previous guys that I've mentioned and even with Josh Mackay and... John Onareki's, you know, he can be quite shifty and he can be um, pretty dangerous when he has a bit of space, but he doesn't have that sort of scary factor that, you know, that you, you once had with the likes of a Ben Smith or a Patrick Osborne or a, or a Naholo. Oh, yeah, I think it'll come with time, though. You've got to remember, they, these guys are really inexperienced, so maybe give them another year or two. I think uh, they'll they'll pick up, and that's the thing. It's just they, they there's, no, there's, no, there's, there's no real experience in their background. If you look, Everything revolves around Aaron Smith, and imagine how much they would have struggled without him. I mean, he's just—it's almost like probably in the last month he sort of realised, "Wow, I really need to, you know, pick my game up if we're going to have any chance of winning in these games." And he's pretty much been the reason, probably him and Mitch Hunt more than anything else. But from my perspective, like over the whole competition. It's probably the Highlanders' loose forwards that have impressed me the most as a unit out of all of them. I I just think it'll be a travesty if Frizzell's not the number six for the All Blacks. I mean, he's just been awesome. And that's... Uh, who's that new young boy at number eight from the Bay? Makaili too, yep. Yeah, he's been pretty impressive. And also, as well as... What a lot of people don't realise is Dylan Hunt's an All Black. You mm-hmm. know? So he's a good player. He's he's a. I honestly think their loose forwards were awesome. I think probably between probably Aaron Smith, Mitch Hunt, and the loose forwards, 
I think they've sort of kept them in games. And probably the most improved guy in that team is that uh, young fella, uh, Parkinson, the lock. He's been, he's, he's thrown his big frame around and um, um, he could potentially get an All Black spot, you know, with uh, injuries to the locks. But the rest of it is just like that. They just look like a bunch of tradesmen. And I think without those X-Factor guys, you know, like Frizzell, like Smith, like Hunt, and maybe to a certain extent, even though it was late in the season, Ioane, I think they could have been on the back end of some real hidings in the last couple of months. No, you're not wrong. And just to make a point on Dylan Hunt, I'm pretty sure he wasn't even part of the 23, or he was lucky to be in the 23. Well, he wasn't because Lynchy's got uh, injured. He was the captain. Yeah, exactly. So he was coming off the bench. But he's been really impressive, really impressive, you know. And that's people don't remember he he's, he was he's an All Black. Probably the one thing he does lack, to be honest, is probably that um, just that physical presence because he's he's very much a scavenger, you know, the old the old type of number seven. But I think he's almost like uh, a poor man's Matt Todd. <laughs> well, no, but no, no, but he is like like, like, like I'm not, like I'm not going to be um, so I'm, okay okay. I'm not okay put him on Matt Todd's level. Because yeah, but imagine feel... if he was playing for the Crusaders, Jordan. Would you be saying that? I'd say he'd be outstanding if he was in the Crusaders forward back. So maybe he might be another Matt Todd. Well, I think it's more so the fact that when you're playing the Crusaders, they're probably the only team in New Zealand where if you really just now your core role, you, you do really look that good or you probably look a lot better than you actually are. And, I mean, we've, we've seen it time and time again with, with guys who have been picked for the All Blacks from the Crusaders when they had to take that step up to the test level. That they're just not quite there, and that maybe some of their flaws yeah, no, no, um, no, no, aren't, aren't hidden the way that you know yeah. that the way that they are when you when you're playing with such a great team. Okay, I'll put way. this to you. yeah, I'll put this to you though, Jordan. I honestly believe that if Super Rugby was basically if the RGs and the Aussies and the South Africans playing, I'd almost guarantee that if it was basically the straight top eight, none of this conference crap. All five New Zealand teams will be in the top eight. I guarantee it. It's just that the Highlanders and the Chiefs look second rate or not up to it because they're playing other New Zealand teams. And it's just, it's it's not a fair judgment. If you reflect, I mean, if you look at the crap that you're seeing from the Aussies and their buddy competition, I mean, it's just laughable if you think about it. So I don't think we should need to be so hard on the Chiefs, and not so much the Hollanders, but especially the Chiefs, because I guarantee the Chiefs would be knocking over those Aussie teams easy. I totally get where you're coming from, but I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that there is a little bit of disparity between, I guess, the top three teams in the Crusaders, oh, no, no, no. Blues and Hurricanes, yeah. and the other two. And yeah, that's what I mean. I'm, I'm not having a go at them, but I'm just saying that there are certain areas that... The, the Highlanders' ones are pretty glaring in terms of the areas that they need to shore up to put themselves in contention for a Super Rugby title. And whereas for the Chiefs, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sort of confused as to where they need to go right. Like, I, I know that they've played with an inexperienced type five, but even then, you know, the, the Highlanders haven't used that as an excuse on yeah. their part. So I, I, Yeah, I, I think, if you look back, I think their season was done after that second loss to the Highlanders. I think they just absolutely devastated them. They didn't, they didn't recover from that. I think if they had got that win up in Hamilton against the Highlanders, I think they might have maybe snuck in another win at least. But they just lost all confidence, all belief, because there's, 
there's no way they should have lost that game. It was unbelievable. I remember watching that, and I was sort of watching, you know, with 10, 15 minutes to go, and I just thought, hang on, the Highlanders might be in with a chance. But the Highlanders shouldn't even have had the opportunity to win that game because they butchered that line out. Like, that yep. was, I guess that was just the, the Chiefs' season in a nutshell, really, the, the truck and trailer call. Oh, I know it was tough, but it's just like you literally have to just secure that line out, maybe hit one ruck and then kick the ball out, and they couldn't do it. And you know so. the irony you know the irony of that loss is that they actually had Aaron Cruden on the bench, and they probably could have brought him on in the last 20 just to steady things, and they chose not to. And I believe that if he had been on the field, they wouldn't have lost that game. But what happened was things started to unravel and the Highlanders got back into the game slowly and they left them on the bench. And, yeah, and they just they just sort of, they lost the plot. But, you know, that's just how it goes. We won't, we won't continue to flog a, flog a dead horse because I've, 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 <laughs> no, done, that, I've done that enough over the course of the season. Fair um, enough. And I, I do just want to um, make one slight jab at the Crusaders off the back of their, their title win. Now, I'm not sure if you've kept up with the news, but the Tukotahi Trophy isn't oh, yeah. intact <laughs> like it was on Sunday afternoon. Now, initially, the Crusaders, after some reporters had inquired about the, I guess, the the entirety of the trophy, the Crusaders actually denied having done any damage to the trophy. Then they retracted on their first statement saying that it had actually been disfigured whilst in its travel case. And then they finally admitted that they'd actually dropped it. So, yeah, I'm, I, don't, I don't know what, what, what you want to make of that situation. I, I'm, I'm just surprised that they, just their string of answers and the fact that they were in denial initially, because it, it was going to come out. I'm not sure what they wanted to do, you know, whether or not they were going to get all of the pieces and then somehow get a hold of local iwi to somehow put it back together the right way without all that information getting out. Yeah, but to be honest, the way that thing was designed, um, you know, just like normal trophies or shields, I mean, that that was always vulnerable to damage. And even though they said, oh, we're just going to have a few quiets tonight, I guarantee they probably got on it that night. And the thing probably just got dropped. Because, I mean, if you sort of looked at it, it was it's basically you had, uh, was it like a, a, a medic? Mm-hmm. A greenstone midi on top of sort of like a, I guess a wooden log type thing. So it was it was always vulnerable to stuff like that. Unlike a you know a trophy or a cup, or a shield as such. So it doesn't surprise me, especially if they were probably celebrating on the sly. And uh, you know because it's pro- and because it's probably unless something goes down, and we're in um, you know. Um, border restrictions again and we end up playing amongst ourselves again next year, this could be the only time that trophy's going to be sort of, I guess, up for grabs. So it'll be, it's a unique trophy, um, but I, by the sounds of things, unless things don't improve with COVID and stuff like that, this might be the only time it's played for. So I, I personally think they maybe should have just had the Medi itself um, as the trophy or something like that as a prize. I just think it was a a little bit of a flawed design, but that's my take on it. What do you make of having the Super Rugby Aotearoa Trophy 
act as the Ranfurly Shield of Super Rugby for New Zealand teams. My mate mentioned it on the podcast last week, and I actually quite like the idea, especially if we're not going to have this sort of competition run again, not only through COVID, because uh, I know that the players have actually come out and said that they aren't sure whether or not this type of competition is sustainable a second time round because we've seen the attrition rate. So would it be quite a nice way to keep that trophy in you know, yeah, up for grabs? Maybe, but the, the the problem with that concept is that the beauty of the Ranfurly Shield and also like the Moesaka Cup, you know, the um, secondary school's Ranfurly Shield, is that they had a long history that came with it. So that's what made the Ranfurly Shield and the Moesaka Cup um, such a big deal because before you had, you know, the Mitre 10 Cup and you had, you know, the top four Though that's what you played was either for the Moisica Cup or for the Ranfurly Shield. And so what happens in recent, the more recent history is that when you had like the Mitre 10 Cup and you also had the top four. So to try and just sort of um, make this trophy sort of like the Ranfurly Shield, it doesn't have the history. And that's, and unfortunately what's happened is to trophies like the Moisica Cup and the Ranfurly Shield, they've sort of fallen off because top four and might attend playoffs, you know, that's more important now. In a funny sort of way, the Moesca Cup and the Ranfurly Shield have almost had their day. And in a funny sort of way, what would have made more sense is you make the Moesca Cup the trophy you get with the top four, and maybe the Ranfurly Shield becomes the winner of the NPC. Um, that's sort of how it sort of, I guess, still keeps its mana. Like, if you look at it now, because might attend Cup, so provincial rugby isn't the standard for um, domestic rugby anymore. It's, you know, it's now with Super Rugby. So Super Rugby becomes more important, or even like Mitre 10 Cup, that becomes more important than the Shield. So the Shield's sort of a little bit of an in- antique. And that's the same with uh, the Moisca Cup, because it's more about, you know, teams challenging you when you're playing at home. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're the best team. It just means that, you know, you're really hard to beat at home. So it's it's a it's a difficult comparison. That's just my take on because I just know the history because when I was at school thirty years ago, the Moesca Cup was a big deal, and top four was you know only been running for about six or seven years. But to have the Moesca Cup was a huge deal, and that was the same with the Ranfurly Shield. It wasn't until the NPC started in like the mid seventies, and then we didn't even have playoffs until the early 90s so the Ranfurly Shield still was a big deal but as soon as these other competitions became more prestigious and more important then the Ranfurly Shield and the Moisca Cup sort of lost their mana so they're more sort of figurative or historical trophies now in these days so I think just trying to create um, a mystique to this trophy amongst the New Zealand Super Rugby teams I'm not sure um, how it would take off. Fair enough, yeah. Nice little history lesson there. Yeah, it was, it was just, just an idea to, to throw it there. No, 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 I see that. that you know, but... that we, if the yeah. trophies don't even be made for one go-round, it's like, how could we keep it alive, in a sense, rather than no, just no, it I sit in the, in the Crusaders mm. trophy cabinet? But, yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm partial yeah. to, to either way we go, but... I think, yeah, I think what you could do potentially is that any team that does beat all the New Zealand teams, that's sort of like 
like a Grand Slam trophy for them to show that oh we've beaten all the the domestic teams in, in the in the Super Rugby competition. But that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know how you do it if you're having if they're playing each other twice. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It, it's a, it's a difficult one, but um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, we'll, we'll jump into the first game. I know that we've had a mention to the Highlanders and they're hosting the Hurricanes on Saturday night in front of a home crowd to close out their campaign. And while their season has differed somewhat to the Hurricanes, uh, what will be common come Saturday is their desire to finish their season on a high. And I've already paid a mention to the fact that the Highlanders' season has been up and down the past 10 weeks. For lengthy periods during games, they've actually showed an ability to play really attractive footy, only to then have it undone by some poor decision-making and execution. And I mean, you attributed that to an experience, which is true, but I think that there have been times, just like we saw on Sunday, where they looked to run it out of their own 22 when the best option probably was to clear the ball. That was really the changing of the game when George Bridge scored that try, so... Yeah, for me, it's just sort of been the, the same old, same old for the Highlanders. They've been in the game, but they just haven't quite got the, the grit to grind it out. But going into Saturday's game with nothing on the line and perhaps a, a bit more relaxation going into it, knowing that they're playing in front of their home crowd, do you think that we'll see the best of the Highlanders, potentially, because they pretty much have nothing to lose? I think there's more for the Highlanders in this game than the Hurricanes. That's just my take. And it's just like, really? what are the Hurricanes playing for? What are they? They can't win it. What, they come second? Who cares about no, going they, second? They've got, they've got a win streak on the line, though. The competition's over. I, I just think... I think they're just playing for pride. But I, I, I'd like to think that the Highlanders can get up over them. Playing at home. I'd like to think. But who knows? Who Who, who knows? To be honest, in the last month, the Hurricanes have been the form team. You know, I think you had the Crusaders and the Blues, they sort of started off with a bang. And then I, when the Crusaders sort of gave the Blues their first loss, I think that knocked the Blues' confidence a bit. And then that second loss to the Hurricanes knocked their confidence a little bit more. And then I think once... The Hurricanes knocked over the Blues and then the Crusaders. Then they started to believe. So I think, in a funny sort of way, if there was, if they were having playoffs now, I think the Crusaders would be a little bit worried about the Hurricanes if there was going to be like a grand final. Because I, I just think the Crusaders have just hung on the last few weeks, and the Hurricanes are on the rise. Mm-hmm. Now, but I, I, I just don't know. I just, I just don't know what the Hurricanes have got to prove, maybe to themselves, but not to anyone else. Yeah. You know, it's like, so what we came second, it's like, who cares about second? Yeah, fair honest. enough. I think if anything, maybe guys are just playing for, you know, a spot in the North Island, South Island game, I guess, like the All Black Trial. Do you not really think that team's been picked? Probably, but then there could be injuries. True. True. You know, and maybe who knows what the the super coach Fozzy, he might be maybe having a whisper in some coaches' ears and saying maybe you want to give this guy a rest. Who knows? Because 
The rumour is, is that I think the Crusaders might end up resting some guys because they've won, you know. Mm. Not sure about the Hurricanes, but I don't know. I, I, I just think, I think it'd be good if, if the Highland. I, I mean, I've always had a soft spot for the Highlanders. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to make the point in terms of with the Hurricanes. I don't know what Jason Holland did either going in to their break or on the Monday when he recouped with his team, but they've just been a different animal. And it's not like their play has changed. It's more so been their attitude. And I know it's one of those sort of cliches, you know, you've you got to turn up on the day and do the job, but they, they have. Like, over the last five weeks, and I assume it will be the same going into this Saturday, they have been on the job from the kickoff. Yeah, Which two is something... words. Two words, Jordan. Geordie Barrett. Yes. Like, he lost the game since he's been back. I know. Don't take anything away from Geordie Barrett, but you can't tell me that Geordie Barrett's the reason why Duplessis Khalifi's tackling ten times harder than what he was in the first three weeks, or the reason why the Hurricanes' set piece is going that much better. Like, yeah, like I know that when you have a better player on the field there's this more sort of assured feel that you have as an individual. But at the same time, I, I do feel like there has to be some sort of credit thrown Jason Holland's way or to, to somebody's way within that camp. There might even be their senior leadership group, the likes of Dane Coles, Adi Sevilla, TJ Perinara, because they really have flipped the script. And yeah, don't get me wrong, the, the best player for them this season has been Geordie Barrett, but I do feel like they have had a very team centric style of play it, it hasn't necessarily been dictated by one player very sort I of th- yeah maybe not quite cru- not maybe not quite the crusaders but when you look at a, a team like the blues for example it feels as if their game is really dictated around a core group of players whereas for the hurricanes it's it's almost like the the load is spread out between all 15 or between all 23 I think what they've done is I think they've they've worked out how to cover up in the cracks. And so and I'll give you a, a really, really good example. They realise that they can't play 80 minutes of rugby at super rugby level without TJ Perinara in that team. So they thought, OK, what can we do to keep him on the field? So what they did is they chucked him into first five. So they brought in a really good guy off the bench that comes in the halfback and Jamie Booth, and he's been awesome as an impact player. And if anything... Perinara going to first five in that last 15 to 20 minutes has actually been a revelation. So whoever made that call, that's been a huge part. So what's happened is he's had his influence on that team for the whole 80 minutes. So that's been a big part. And he knows that we don't have to worry about field kicking and kicking for goal because you've got Geordie Barrett in the back. So they've covered over the crack that they haven't got Bowden Barrett there anymore at first five. The other thing they've done as well is I think... A stuffer or mill has really come into his own. So what's happened is they haven't had to rely on Dane Coles as well. So what they can do is they can actually take Dane Coles off the field if he's struggling or if he, even if he's not playing because he's got an injury. And a stuffer or mill has just sort of come into his own and they've still got the leadership of Perinara who stays on the field for 80 minutes. So you're not actually losing anything as far as leadership if Coles goes off or if he doesn't even start, especially if they know that Perinara is going to stay on the field for 80 minutes. Does it make sense? Yeah, no, totally. 
And so I, th- I think those those two guys in particular, or well maybe the three. So I mean, if you sort of look at your spine, so when you talk about your rugby spine, you've got your hooker, your number eight, your halfback, your first five, and your fullback. Look at their key players. So you've got Dane Coles, you've got Artie Sevilla, you've got TJ Piranar covering halfback and first five, and you've got Geordie Barrett at fifteen. That's your spine. Or am I just just talking shit? No, 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 no. I definitely agree that those four players and they have definitely been influential over the course of the last five wins. On on the point of first five, though, and you talk about keeping TJ Perinara on the field, now I do think that Jackson Garden-Bashup has done really well in his role over the past couple of weeks. He hasn't had to force anything, and he's really just sat back and done his job. Now, on that point, though, should someone like a Lima Sapawanga pop up and say, hey, I'm up for the taking, do you think that he'd actually be a good fit within that Hurricanes team off the point that you just mentioned of having Perinara on the field for 80 minutes? And then you'd also be taken away from the influence of Geordie Barrett and whether or not Lima Sapawanga would be able to fit into that role. Now, I know that you, you know, Lima Sapawanga is an all-black and he arguably is a better player than Jackson Garden Bashup at this very moment in time, like you said, I almost like the the balance that they have with having really just a game manager at that pivot position because there isn't really that ego there that you, that you might sort of come into trouble with by having a bigger name there or a guy who really wants to control the game like a first five typically does. I think he's just doing as he's told, and that's not a bad thing. If you've got if you've got TJ in front of you and you've got Geordie behind you that can do the kicking and and the decision making. All he has to do is just be like, okay, shall I kick it? Okay, I'll kick it. Shall I pass it? Yeah, I'll pass it. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, the more and more experience he gets, then he can start to dictate things. But if you've if you've just got better players around you, like a Geordie Barrett and the TJ Perinara, and then it's like you'd be stupid not to listen to them. And so I think what's happened is that I, 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 the best thing to happen since uh, Bowden and Barrett left was. Geordie Barrett taking over, and that's what it's made Geordie Barrett. And so from there, what's happened is he's like, yeah, yeah, this is this is I've got this. And between him and TJ Perinara, they're just sort of saying, you know, to Garden Bash, just like you know, just just do you know the core roles right. And he's done it. And then like he's just got he's just got all this uh, all these stars around him. And so also you got until he got injured, you got um, Lau Mapi. And also, who's also been a bit of a revelation, I've been really surprised just with the combination of having two solid runners, not so much ball players, is actually uh, Umanga Jensen going into centre. I don't think that would work, because I'm actually quite a big fan of Vince Arsenal, because he's, he's a very sort of skillful player, but, you know, he's been awesome. His line, his line running's been something else. Yeah, and it's been... Um, Exactly, that's that's been a real uh, surprise to me because normally in your midfield you have a ball player and a runner, but they had sort of two runners that seemed to have worked. Well, it worked against the best team. No, the Crusaders are still the best team. No, that's what I mean. I said it worked against the best team. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, eventually, if you've won thirty-six games in a row at home, you're eventually going to lose one. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, the, I, mean, I, I know the Hurricanes probably got away with that one by the skin of their teeth, but a win is a win. Oh, look, um, the, the, the two wins that, that against the Crusaders and the Blues, they could easily have lost those, but they hung in there. But that, that's that's credit to them, you know. But 
that's I think that's more to do with I guess they just started you know hanging in and just believing in themselves. So that's you know that's credit to them. Exactly. So after talking about all those points, which way do you see Saturday's game going? Do you think that the Hurricanes can snatch an away win? Oh, the Hurricanes will still win. I just like I'd like the thought of the the Highlanders winning because I just sort of think in a lot of ways they're like you know that you know that you know the the old most improved player. You know, they're like the most improved team. That's, that's the old adage, you know, they're shit, but, you know, they try really hard. <laughs> and that's honest. It's like, who wants to win most improved? You know, that's just basically saying you're no longer shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the exact yeah. same boat. I think that the Hurricanes will prove to be too good just with the experience that they have at their disposal. But before we jump into the Blues Crusaders game, one question that I wanted to pose to you was, You've mentioned the fact that you like the the spine that the Highlanders have, and and you like the spine that the, the Hurricanes have as well. And the Highlanders are probably considerably younger, but if you were a coach and you were able to inherit either team, starting in twenty twenty one, which team would you rather have? Who are you talking about? The Highlanders, the Highlanders and the Hurricanes. If you were a coach, which team would you rather have? I'd take the Highlanders because I think they've got a lot more in them to improve. Yeah, me too. Like, while the Hurricanes might have a, a bit more win now in them, I just think that that Highlanders team has a lot of potential. There's a yeah, bit of, that's what I mean. There's a bit of work to be done in that front row and, and they could use a bit of X factor in their backs. But like, if you look at those two starting locks, even the one that went down, Josh Dixon, a nice loose forward trio. If Aaron Smith can keep up the way that he's playing and then they have their two game drivers... You know, it's it's almost like they just need that that cherry on top, or you know, like you said, that little bit of punch because they're in games. They just don't have that ability to make something out of nothing, which which you which you sort of need when you when you want to be in those yeah. gritty games. Which as as much as the Crusaders play a very structured style of football, like we've seen week in week out, they just have this ability to just make a break and then run eighty meters and score a try. Whereas the Hollanders don't quite have that in them just yet so yeah I, I thought I'd just throw it out to you because yeah I, I, I'm of the exact same thinking I I really like what the the Highlanders have at their disposal at the moment and where they yeah, can go with it I, I'll tell you why they potentially could be quite dangerous because I think isn't this Aaron Major's last year as head coach yes so I think Tony Brown's taking over so I think that's where things might change I think once he takes over and if he can get some, I think maybe he'll get the team playing a bit more, maybe exactly the way he wants them to play. And also, maybe if they do some clever recruiting over the, the, the summer. I mean, if you the guys just rave about him. The guys that have been coached by him, they just rave about him. You know, so they, people talk about the success, you know, that the Highlanders had under uh, Jamie Joseph. That success really came when Tony Brown was part of the part of the coaching team you know the fact that uh, who was it that um ian foster and both scott robertson one of them as part of the as part of the all black coaching team that's high how highly rated he is so i think once he gets his hands on the team by himself and uh can get a couple of extra maybe recruits add a bit of punch uh maybe up front and also in the midfield you know watch out yeah who knows all right, well, we'll kick on to Sunday's game, and 
it's a bit of a weird one because we don't know what's going to happen in Auckland because they're currently under level three and like what I've read, um, hey, is, you is, can't is, actually is, play. Is, is the um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but is the Saturday game definitely going ahead? Well, under level two, which was what the initial Super Rugby Aotearoa season was going under, you could play, but in front of no fans. Oh, so they're going to play, but no fans. Well, I don't know what's going to happen. The, the NZRU hasn't come out and said what's happening, but because the game's in Auckland on Sunday, um, and, yeah, there is the, and there is the potential to, to kick it on through <laughs> it to, ain't happening. to, to <laughs> it ain't the next happening. Monday. Um, yeah, but I guess figuratively speaking, should a game yeah. go ahead, yeah. Well, well, there's a whole lot of different scenarios for this game because we don't know what sort of Crusaders lineup is going to come because you've already got Richie Moanga in doubt because his wife's pregnant at the moment and I think she's meant to be a, a week away so he might be wanting to stay in Christchurch just to, to make sure that he's got his family household in check. Uh, and, and like you mentioned, this is an opportunity for the Crusaders to give the, the young guys an opportunity with, with the trophy all but wrapped up. But then, on the Blues part, I feel like they are going to want to field a decent team to, to please their fans, but also to maybe even send a message that they haven't been sort of just a flash in the can, you know, after starting yeah. off the season so strongly. And, I mean, it, it would be somewhat disappointing to see the game be played against the likes of a Crusaders Knights team, or, you know, their B team, because, you know, to have your last game of Super Rugby Aotearoa, you'd want it to sort of finish on a high note and you know what a way it would have been to finish the year had the Highlanders got up last weekend but unfortunately the Crusaders did what they always do they won um but yeah I I guess just me posing that question to you should let's say for example that the both teams field full strength lineups do you think that the Blues will take a lead out of the Hurricanes book and what they did when they visited them down in Christchurch, because the Blues are a very kick-centric team, but what's worked for the Hurricanes as of late is actually keeping the ball in hand. So, And when you play against the Crusaders, who are the best at playing chess, yeah, I'm, 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 yeah. yeah I, I don't know which way the Blues are going to go with it. Two things. If Moanga doesn't play, the Crusaders won't win. Simple as that. He's been pretty much a one-man band. He's he's kept them in games. and I mean, without him, they wouldn't have beaten the Blues down in Christchurch. Without him, they wouldn't have got within the conversion of that uh, Hurricanes game. So they were re- they've been really lucky to have him. And I think if he doesn't play on the weekend, they won't win. Also, you've got to remember, the last time the Crusaders played the Blues... Or Teddy Black was at first five. Now they've got Bowden Barrett, so maybe they'll play a different game. So I think they might start running it a bit more, just the fact that they got Barrett at 10. But yeah, if Moanga doesn't play, I put my money on the Blues. Because one, um, without Moanga, they definitely wouldn't have won the trophy. And also with Barrett at first five, and the Blues, you know, having more to play for. You know, Pride was like, you know, the Crusaders is like, oh, we've won it. You know, I think mentally, I, I can see the Blues getting up for this. But whether the game goes ahead or whether, I don't know whether it's played in front of an empty stadium or maybe what they might even do, who knows. 
Oh no, because the Blues guys can't leave Auckland. No, they can't they? leave Auckland. No, they're, they're in full. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's played in front of an empty state, but that means, nah, I don't think it's going to go ahead because I doubt they'll let the Canberra guys go. No, well, no, no one can travel into Auckland. <laughs> yeah. Until Friday, when the government makes, I guess their their next big call. Yeah. But even now, the Blues players can't even train. Now, I know that Wednesdays are usually a day off. Oh, really? They can't even train? Nah, but under level three, you can't. Well, I think they they can constrict it to groups of five. So, yeah, but I I thought I'd just put this together. Just, you know, just in case, you know, something miraculous happens over the next couple of days and we manage to get the season finale. But, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty similar to you. I think that should the Crusaders not field Richie Moana, I don't think they're... Him, him with a chance, as experiences at Ford Pack is, I think that the Blues will maybe win that mental edge, just knowing that Moanga's not there to show everything up. Because we see everything that he does with ball in hand, but he's also the goal kicker. Mm-hmm. And they don't even, and without David Harvilli, who's going to kick the goals for the Crusaders on the weekend should the game go ahead? So there are all those Sever, sorts of Sever questions. He <laughs> <laughs> tries to do everything else. Well, I'm just trying to think. Who, like, if, 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 George Bridge, maybe? Does he kick goals? Nah, it'd have to be Brett Cameron, the, the, the young fella that they have on the bench, because nobody else. Jack Goodyear doesn't kick goals. I don't think Braden Enel kicks goals. Bryn Hall, maybe? Actually, no, Bryn Hall might be a shout. I'm pretty sure he's actually kicked goals for the Crusaders in the past. Yeah, but he but, might not get another game after that. Yeah, last week. yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that, I must, hey, that, I that must... could have happened to anyone. It's not like he celebrated early. He was no. Just, yeah, yeah it, was, must... it was a great play. It was really, it really was a great play by Josh McCoy. Oh, the old punch the ball out of the arm. But how? Yeah. How often do you really see that? You know, you, you do see a lot of guys make a play at the ball, and they must train for it during the week or you know over the course of their preseason. But yeah, oh, he he's... blindsided him. He blindsided mm. him. It was, it was it was just like most guys would give up, but he didn't. And and you know credit to was it Josh McKay? Yeah. Awesome that he did it because I think if he had got that try, that was the game. Because I'm pretty sure. Oh. Um, no. No, because I'm not. I'm not sure. Because I I think that was before the Highlanders got their try. It was, but the but the Highlanders were still up though. Yeah, but not by much. Not yeah. by much. I think they were only just ahead. And then they got that try down the other end, which had them up by about 10 points. Yep. And then the Crusaders just went boom, boom. But I think if the Crusaders had got that try, I think the Highlanders would have buckled. I think that would have knocked their confidence. Because, But in a funny sort of way, that try came out of nothing. That was the thing. The, the Crusaders weren't good on Sunday. They weren't good at all, but they just managed to... You know, all it took was a, a, a mistake, a turnover or something like that, or just a, a loose ball, and they just went, they can, they can just go bang, 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 just like that. Yeah. And I think that's what they did. You know, in a funny sort of way, if you watched it, you sort of would have almost felt sorry for the Highlanders because they were making all the play. But winning teams just know how to win. And the Highlanders don't know how to win. The Chiefs definitely don't know how to win. You know, and that's why, you know, if it's a team like the Hurricanes, they know how to win at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's the, the frustrating thing as someone who doesn't like the Crusaders. It's not so much that they are that good, but it's more so the fact that they can play so poorly for a good chunk of a game 
but then within a matter of minutes, you know, they've just swung momentum. But that, but that's that's all to do with. So what happens? They've set a standard, and so when teams come to play them, they know they have to play up to that standard to have any chance of winning. And it's really hard if you've been up the top for that long to maintain that. And every time teams come to play, they want to knock you off. So you, you can't have a bad day. But with these guys, because they've been on top for so long, even when they play bad, they still just know, okay, well, we just got to do what we have to do. So I think the word you're probably looking for is dominate. So what they haven't done is dominated. Whereas I think in the previous three years, they've dominated. This year, they haven't dominated. They've done enough to win. So they're still winners. They're just not dominating the New Zealand teams like they used to. So that's why, in a funny sort of way, you know, people are like, oh, the Hurricanes are playing so well and the Blues are playing so well. It's just like, yeah, but the reason why they're playing so well is because they've had to to get anywhere near the Crusaders. But even at their best at the moment, the Hurricanes, unfortunately, there hasn't been enough. You know, so you can criticise the, the, the Crusaders all you want. They're just... They're still the best, they just haven't been dominant. So I, I think that's the difference, is they're not dominating. Yeah, that's a pretty good bit of analysis. So I'm guessing that your end verdict for our season finale, should it go ahead with or without fans, we don't know. I mean, that's the problem with recording this podcast so early. The Crusaders do have Richie Moanga, they win? No. <laughs> no, well, no. So, yeah, so even so, even if they do, you don't think that they they'll beat the Blues. I I just think they've got nothing to play for, and they're playing away. You know, I I think it's going to be a I think it's going to be a mental barrier. If they do beat the Blues, then they definitely are the best. You know, like they you know they they definitely deserve. I mean, obviously, you've looked at the points table yet yeah, they didn't. But if they go to Auckland with a full house with nothing to play for and still beat the Blues, then they are definitely the best. Uh, but I, 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 you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they, if they got knocked over by the Blues, even with Richie Moonga, because it's it's a mental thing. I don't you know. know there's there's, there's some with. part of me, and uh, I can go both ways with it. Some part of me sees Razor being like, "Oh nah, screw it, we've already won it," you know, just to sort of throw it in the face of the Auckland fans. But then on the flip side, I can also see him having a bit of F you in him and being like, "Nah, these guys think that they're on par with us." We'll show them, and he'll get his boys ready to, to to snatch another away win. So I don't know, like yeah, like like you said, like the chances of this game going ahead, I, I guess, are a lot more down the track of not happening than is happening. But I don't know. I just I I, I think that I'm probably the opposite to you. I feel like the the Crusaders will want to finish the season especially against the team that everyone has pitted as their new rivals. Well, I know that the New Zealand rugby has tried to hype this up as much as they could with the resurgence of them towards the middle of the year. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to go the other way. I think that the Crusaders will win should they have their full-strength team. To, to be honest, though, I think if you look at it for what it is, it's pretty much just been a 10-week all-black trial. If we're being completely honest, it's just basically say, okay, we know who the current All Blacks are, but who are the new guys coming through, you know, after last year's World Cup with guys retiring and guys going overseas, and the guy, you've got the guys that have stayed, and they obviously want to sort of make a point after last year's disappointment, and now you've got these new guys coming through, and for the last, was it, nine, ten weeks, you've just had 
the best of the best in this country just knocking each other over. And some guys have, have put their hands up. So I think this is more about um, New Zealand rugby than super rugby itself. Like I just sort of look at it, to be honest. I don't really care who wins it to a certain extent. I just want to, and what it what it says to me is, it's like, you know what? Even with all the experience we've lost with guys going overseas or guys retiring, New Zealand rugby is still really healthy. Yeah, we've got a we've got a you know a couple of holes to fill, like maybe like a lock. You know, that's probably one example. Maybe sorting out our midfield, but outside of lock and midfield. You know, we're pretty good. Like, I think if we played a World Cup this year, I'd put my money on us, to be honest. I just I just think, especially after last year's disappointment, I reckon if they got to play the World Cup again, I think we would win it, just because look at the talent that's come through. Look at, you know. I mean, if, who would have thought from 12 months ago that potentially Bowden Barrett wouldn't even be starting for the All Blacks? That says a lot about the depth of New Zealand rugby. If you put, I, I think if you put Geordie starting at 15 and you put Richie Moonga starting at first five, I doubt you get many people arguing that that's not the right selections and that Bowden would be on the bench. I don't think you'd have many people arguing if you looked at the form. No, um, well, I mean, I, I can't argue with it, but whether or not the All Blacks coaching staff, particularly someone who's been a part oh, of yeah, the coaching yeah, group yeah. for so long, whether or not he... Oh, of course. Not give Bowden Barrett the benefit of the doubt, considering how much time he's had in the saddle for the All Blacks. No, no, I totally and, agree. I totally agree. What what potential bridge it could burn, but yeah, like you, you do make a good point in the fact that it has been a really good opportunity for the powers that be to see their best players or their their pick of the litter go up against each other week in yep. week out. The best playing the best, week in, week out. That's been the bonus. I think the person who's got the biggest smile on his face is Ian Foster. Because two months ago, he would never have thought it. And I think a big part of it also as well is the, is the crowds. So we've been really lucky basically going three and a bit months without any um, community transmission of COVID. The fact that the crowds have come back. And the crowds have made a huge difference. You look at the difference between the crowds at our games and then watching the, the shit that's over in Aussie or, you know, that's um, over in Europe, you know, with the football or even the basketball and stuff like that. There's no crowds. It's rubbish. You know, it's hard to get into. It's like we've been really fortunate in this country. And I, 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 honestly, if you were Ian Foster, you'd be thinking, man, I'm so lucky to have this. And he, he's got so much to choose from now. I think it's awesome. Not that I think he's awesome, though. <laughs> all right we'll end it there because i was just about to say that that's a quite a bright note to finish it on thank you very much new zealand for doing your part in allowing the likes of me my old man and the other seven guests or eight guests actually that i've had on over the past two months to enjoy not only good footy on the field but the atmosphere itself so like always with any guests that i have on that i'll, I'll look i'll look to link up with you at the close of the weekend's play. Hopefully we get two games to tune through. Perhaps Ho we could, yeah. Perhaps we might not have, an, have any football to chew through, and then we might we have to come up with some sort of other yeah. idea to to recap. Um, True, yeah, no, no. Super we Rugby could, Aotearoa. But we could potentially talk about the North-South game. 
Yep. Yep. Well, we we could even talk about our our potential All Black team with what we've seen so far, depending on how the weekend unfolds. You know, we, we've got a plethora of ideas to choose from, but mm. fingers crossed we do see some sort of football. But then even in a weird way, it was almost quite fitting that the Crusaders played the last game and got the trophy presented. I don't know that, that you know, this is me thinking out loud, but yeah. It's like the COVID gods have sort of looked in upon yeah. us and go, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in a weird way, as, as sort of grim as that, as that sounds. Um, but yeah, all right. Nonetheless, Dad, I appreciate having you on. And I'll, um, yeah, hopefully link up with you. Well I'll, well, I'll link up with you regardless, but yeah, hopefully we have some sort of footy to talk about come next Sunday, Monday. All right, then. Hey, Tapu.